0: On the Empire Podcast this week, we travel back in time to face off against our younger selves or review Ryan Johnson's Looper, whichever comes first and is less painful, quite frankly. And we also get our heads around the most bonkers film of the year, Holy Motors. Plus, Elizabeth Olsen drops in for a chat and we update our CV so that the very particular set of skills section now includes talking to Liam Neeson. Can't say fairer than that. Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast, the only movie podcast that has swung Conan's sword, Arnold Schwarzenegger's sword. Amazing. Or at least we're really the only ones that have swung it without putting our own eyes out. Uh, as ever, I'm joined by three of the finest minds that Empire has to offer at very short notice. Uh, with Helen O'Hara of Happening in Vegas and Staying in Vegas, allow myself to introduce a man who actually did swing Conan's sword, James Dyer. Hello. Hello. You right? Yes Good, good, good How's your arm? Because I imagine that must be quite painful mm, I've crushed some enemies they been <laughs> driven before me Heard the lamentations of the women That comes later <laughs> Next up's the first of two Count them two in This week's podcast Presumably the Dissembliance Multiply if you get them wet So don't go mentioning The films of Christoph Koslowski To our resident art house guru Phil Dissemblin Or he'll gush everywhere Ew. Hello Phil
1: That's gross Hi <laughs> Thanks for, the, uh, for putting me first And uh, Yeah And the Gremlins reference too there's no,
0: there's, can that. there's no system here first oh, second first yes, last there there nothing is. you yeah. say that because you want it's to reverse alphabetical. <laughs> <laughs> and then n you ever heard the phrase save the best to last no yes. Vanessa Williams wrote a song about it okay he is last that doesn't mean he's least it's the second assembly a man who's off his very own three colors trilogy uh marathon this weekend only instead of colors it's hobbits and instead of three it's four of them because it's Lord of the Rings uh it's Nick assembly Hi Chris Hi Uh, You're watching The Rings Marathon Again The
2: Rings. We're heading down
0: To the IMAX I'm baking Lumbus Bread tonight
3: IMAX Yes uh, Yes Wow The big big screen Uh, It's going to be exciting Are
1: you watching it again?
3: Yeah I kind of I tend to watch uh, The extended edition Blu-rays Once a year But this time I thought I'd seen them On the big screen So that takes the the first Six months of the
0: year out. What do you do after that?
3: (laughs) I'll be coming out Just as The Hobbit is released So I can't wait
0: well, you do the whole thing in like 2015 when all the Blu-rays of The Hobbit are out. We do all six Lord of the Rings, given that you nearly died during the Bondathon a uh, a couple of years
3: ago. I think that would be unwise. I'd start hallucinating Roger Moore's in the middle of it. Maybe Roger Moore is in uh,
0: the Hobbit. Who knows? <laughs> I hope so. That'd be amazing. <laughs> but. Um... Uh, Okay, let's start with your messages. Uh, Lauren Fulton has emailed all the way from the USFA to say my boyfriend and I are going to be travelling to London for the very first time at the end of October. This isn't what Lauren sounds like I presume, uh, but go with it. Uh, We've already made plans to visit the obvious pop culture attractions like the Harry Potter studio, the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff and a highly anticipated shopping trip to Forbidden Planet, right next door actually. Uh, I was just wondering what my most trusted and favourite film writers... I think that's us. Um, might recommend as some of the can't miss film slash TV sites in London. We've kind of done this one, but because Lauren's coming all the way from the US of A, I figure we might help her out a little bit. Battersea Power Station.
1: Because oh, what? <laughs> B-
4: Batman, Aliens. Come on, oh, I, metal
3: jacket and now yeah, Fast Six starring my good friend The Rock. And and of course, I'm now contractually obliged to mention it. I could beat that. I could beat that. Guy Ritchie's Rock and Roller. Does that beat that No it beats nothing It beats nothing
0: but, but I did do a set visit On Guy Ritchie's Rock and Roller At the Battersea Power Station And because it's my favourite Building in London I was in Hog Heaven And also I was it's wearing It's your favourite hard- building In London It's my favourite it's, it's so iconic Have you seen the cover Of Pink Floyd's Animals I presume no, I'm talking to James Dyer. Of course you haven't. <laughs> so, anyway, the cover of Pink Floyd's Animals uh, is a Battersea power station, but with a giant inflatable pig flying above it. It's one of the most iconic Come images in. in pop culture. I mean, James is wondering yeah. who Pink Floyd are. Yeah, he probably point. is, yeah. I'm with going to jump Adam in, in there, uh, pits, isn't he?
3: I'm going to jump in, Lauren, with uh, the gherkin, because obviously that's the iconic uh, setting of um, Basic- David Morrissey's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> David Morrissey works on, on the top level of the gherkin in Basic Instinct 2 Risk Addiction. Yeah. Yep. Wow. It's iconic. It's a film that climaxes <laughs> Nick the Gherkin. man who was on set
4: of Basic Instinct 2, <laughs> I wasn't right? I was Ollie Richards Was it Ollie Richards? Yeah Oh yes it was Sorry I get
0: you confused oh, Was well. anyone on the set of Basic Instinct 2 including people who wrote and starred and directed <laughs> it? Was it Was there ever such a thing as a set? I'm, I don't, I'm not sure Anyway that, that film You could uh, go to The, the Bridge where
1: uh, Stan Collymore
3: Absolutely It uh, is Stan Collymore isn't
1: it? It is Stan yep. Collymore I like this You've got like Big Ben from Hitchcock and, and and um, Battersea Power Station from Children of Men and Others, but you're going with (laughs) Basic basic Instinct 2. I might
3: might kick off my own Basic Instinct 2 tour
1: of London. I like this. This is classic stuff, because the obvious ones have been done, but you're going to do... The really terrible movies <laughs> <Set> in London. <laughs> what about that one that Statham film in like Balam that you were on set of? Or was it Batsy as well? Oh we went to uh Something. Nick and I both went
0: to Shoreditch, uh also for a David Morrissey film actually, <laughs> called Blitz. Uh and we did it, it was a bar in Shoreditch and we were pretending to be we were pretending to be journalists we were thoroughly unconvincing. Um, in a scene with David Morrissey. In a scene with David Morrissey. We were ultimately so, cut. Cruelly. So if yeah, David Morrissey we
5: were
3: cut, he was not cut. Yeah. So we do David Morrissey films, but only the ones that almost go straight to DVD. Perfect.
0: Nothing good. Brilliant. Brilliant. Does that um, answer the question? No. Uh, n- it answers n- a different yes question. So, yes or no. I would definitely go to the London Film Museum, Lauren, if you're still listening. If you haven't <laughs> turned off the podcast or, you know, killed yourself in despair by this point, uh, it is very, very good. It's a very, very cool place to go. Uh, you can go to Newman's Passage, uh, which features in Peeping Tom, I believe, and uh, I've said it before, but who couldn't miss out a trip to the London Eye star of Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer it is absolutely mental mm-hmm. and the bridge that gets knocked down in Harry
1: Potter mm-hmm. uh, the bridge of light right to from Bankside to Bankside yeah, from St. platform, platform it,
4: nine and three quarters they did the junket yeah. interviews for Rise of the Silver Surfer on the London Eye did they? Yeah. So you do. You did. You did the interview with one, but because it, it takes an hour to go around and your interviews weren't an hour, they'd have about fifteen of you in the thing. They partitioned it off, and they gave everyone who wasn't currently doing an interview an iPod with the Sofa Surfer soundtrack on it, bizarrely. And you had to sit and listen to that so you wouldn't listen to the interview. It was really badly thought out. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I'm surprised that you just made the journalists <laughs> get out. <laughs> just <laughs> hurl them from the top of the iron into well the done you taste. Yeah, you're done. You're like, get off.
3: out. <laughs> I have very fond memories of the. I might have mentioned this. Before on the podcast, but I have very fond memories of the alien experience in the basement of the Trocadero, yeah. which was shut down, I believe. I never did that. Of, uh, I heard it was coming
4: brain. back because it went up to, to Edinburgh or something, didn't it? And it wasn't coming back. No, there was talk point. of it
3: coming back in Scotland, and uh, it hasn't. It, I think it's been I outlawed would. I I lost a shoe.
1: Yeah, you lost a shoe. We keep this quite London-centric. You could alternatively look at the National Trust website and go to any number of films locations that the films that Keira Knightley has been in. <laughs> Specifically, Keira Knightley, just yeah. Pride and Prejudice. That we talked There's about. Adrian's Wall. Well. Lovely- Relive King Arthur. Yeah. Exactly. Why would you want to do that? I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay, interesting. Uh, and Nick will come back to that shoe thing another time, I'm sure. Uh, Alex Wright also emails to ask what hairstyles and/or clothing fashions
1: have you ever copied from the movies? I've got one, which is going to make me sound A, older than Gandalf, and B, a bit of a knob. But uh, around the time of train spotting, when I was at uni, I got my hair bleached, peroxided. Not for any. Trainspotting related sick boy reason but I had short hair and it was kind of like orange like Orville and but Orville I it. was
4: green well
1: no but when he Club died is when Orville the monkey? when Orville went on holiday they just worked with me here <laughs> it was a it was a fancy dress party and it was movie related and I for some reason decided to go Sean Bean in When Saturday Comes why? I don't know why of all the movie characters my we- flatmate went as Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction which seemed like a good option I couldn't have done that obviously that well but um, yeah I went as Sean Bean so I had my hair because obviously I've not got blonde hair, and then I went to watch Trainspotting without realising. Like a couple of months later, and and came out of the cinema with that exact sick boy <laughs> blonde hair. Everyone was looking at me like, you, "You sad bastard!" Unbelievable. Yeah, so that's about the closest I've got. I know Dan Jolin who's not in this podcast at the moment. He
0: uh, once wore his hair like Wolverine he grew his hair specifically I you know. did not <laughs> ever see that <laughs> well I remember him. Uh, we were on set of uh, X-Men 2 together and at the time he was working for our terrifying foes uh, his name shall remain unmentioned uh, and I was working for Empire and I remember Hugh Jackman came down and sat at his, his round table of, of in, interviews and I remember Dan obsequiously trying to worm his way into Hugh Jackman's affections by going because oh, he had the whole Wolverine hair at the time and going oh yes I uh, I had Wolverine hair when I was a kid I grew it into points and stuff and I was going you saddle I had a long leather coat that made me think I looked like Carlito from Carlito's Way. But this is no, relatively I've, recently, isn't it? I've never actually done it. Uh, it was about 10, 10, 12 years ago. That's probably same shows how long we've been working together. Yeah, it's the same remember. coat that Jason Fleming complimented when I was on a set
1: of Below. Mm. Oh, really?
0: Oh, yes. It said nice coat.
1: You had Good. a leather coat? Yeah, a big long Did leather make coat. It made like big. some sort of pervy time nod. I can't imagine
0: you in it. It Maybe l- look l- at the l- curve. Yeah, people my height should probably not wear long black leather coats, I think. It looks it looks wrong.
3: James, did you not once come to a party dressed as Hitman?
0: Yes, that was your party. It was.
4: From which I caught the Norwalk virus, possibly from you. <laughs> I deny everything. Yeah, no, I did come as Hitman. I did, I did shave. My, I mean, I already shaved my head, but I shaved it, you know, more. Uh, and I, I put a barcode tattoo on the back of my head, wore the suit and It looked and amazing. I did also turn up with a gun and a knife, as I recall, and freaked you out a little bit. It was a fake gun, but a real knife. a fake gun, but a real knife. Yeah. <laughs> And then we and then we had to go out and get I would say alcohol, but it wasn't. I think we were going to get crisps. Um, and we went out and I sort of wandered around with this sort of knife hanging off my belt and a sort of gun in my hand.
0: And you're the only was. person that it was Finsbury Park. So frankly, it just looked perfectly normal. Yeah. If we ever get attacked by anything in the office, James has swords, shields, mm, guns, knives, sorts I have, chucks, a, all I have sorts. a bastard sword, a small wacky and a 300 shield, just in case. Just yeah. in case. Okay. Thanks for that, Alex. At uh, Rohate Ganger asks, "What was the first film you remember sneaking into because you were underage Mine was Gladiator And I was nine at the time Nick
3: I'm sure it's not the first one Maybe it was I remember sneaking into Pulp Fiction When I was 16 That was quite a big moment for me I was at school in Bath And I got on the train to Bristol That was exciting They don't have cinemas in Bath Where were you trying to go? I don't know why I went to Bristol (laughs) I've had a free train ticket or something Anyway, that was my story
1: Right, that's good That that was before you re-edited Pulp Fiction In chronological order
3: yeah,
0: shortly before
1: that. Did you do that? It was a long train ride.
3: <laughs> wow, wow! Because no, wow. no. you also—I uh, I didn't do that. I should point out, Phil is making stuff up. Again.
0: <sighs> oh, okay, okay. I got you. I got
1: you. Phil was it, presumably you're, you're older than Nick, so that wasn't the first film you, you snuck into. No, when I was growing up, they didn't really have certificates or cinemas or cinemas. Yeah, we made our own entertainment. Um, no, that's not true. I can't remember to be on I remember seeing a lot of films before I was eighteen or eighteen. The only one I can remember off the top of my head is Predator Two. <laughs> it Strange. was gritty and near realistic. Uh, I can remember
4: it's what I can't remember what you probably tell me which film came first. I snuck into Basic Instinct. Ooh, good
5: <laughs> I
0: ones. chickened out of trying to stick into Basic Instinct. I, I yeah, my, my friend and I we, we went specifically to the Centrepoint Cinema in Lurigan, Northern Ireland, and uh we got in the queue and then we thought we'd don't look Golden enough. And so we, we left and played Bowling instead Got it out in VHS later on I still couldn't see that You know, that scene We, we got it out specifically For yeah. that scene That scene I couldn't make anything yeah. out No, I didn't oh, know You needed I, to see it on the big screen Frankly, I didn't know What I was looking for <laughs> I'll be honest but. So it was basically saying, Or possibly Freddy's Dead The Final Nightmare I snuck into that as well Good um, The first film I snuck into I didn't sneak into it But was Police Academy In 1984 and uh, I was I was seven years old. And what happened was... There's boobies in that. There's boobies. I'll get to that in a second. What happened was my mum, I was badgering her to see this film because I really wanted to see this film because it looked hilarious. And uh, we went along to the cinema, the Ivey Cinema in Banbridge, which has now been knocked down, sadly. It was a single, single screen cinema. We went along. We queued up, me and my best friend at the time, who was a year older than me, with my mum. She took us to the police academy. She was friends with the manageress. Who said, Well, this is quite an adult film. We really shouldn't be letting these kids in. My mum went, Oh, look, it's fine. Go on, let them in. So we went and see Police Academy. Obviously, as you say, James, it's filled with boobs, drug use, swearing, and of course. Podium related blowjobs. De- yeah, podium re- I'm sorry, de- related. I was saying, Per related? blowjobs. Podium related blowjobs. Now, this is the thing. My mum, God rest her soul, uh, didn't know what was happening in that scene, which, which leads me to wonder how the hell I was ever conceived in the first place. But, yeah. <laughs> She had no idea that uh, Comet Lazar was receiving A, a blowjob in that scene And uh, I don't think I don't think she ever understood What was happening in that scene I'll be Lesser. quite honest Because we what he asked was "Mom, what's happening What's, it, what, what's she doing to that man Oh uh, you know. And most she parents She didn't go up and ask the management No she didn't Most parents would just go Oh no she's just tickling him or something But my mum genuinely did not know Just none <laughs> No idea So there you go That's method it's for you (laughs) I guess So there you go Um, I think we've got time For one more question At Skeletal Sam asks There's a lot of Slow-mo abuse and dread But which movie drug Can you see yourself Becoming addicted to Now remember Winners do not do drugs Prosium What's prosium? It's the uh, It's the
4: emotional suppressant From uh, Kurt Wimmer's Classic movie Equilibrium Oh my god
0: How did they not get An equilibrium reference?
1: I don't know what's (laughs) happening I can't believe you missed that I can't believe I did Anyone else? Um Looper. Only loopers do drugs. they <laughs> working, working on that one. Yes. Um, well they done. do some drugs. I don't know what it is. They put it in, well, in their eyes. So that's the yeah, it's Optrex. That's, so. that's topical. Crank, the Haitian plant shed. Yes, head. yes, very good.
4: That
6: very does
1: good. weird stuff. Obviously, what about, Jason Statham which is probably immune to that kind of thing. And also, Limitless is a good drug. Which Yes, is, no, that's a very good drug. We, What's it called? It's called NZD something something something. Yes, something, I want some of that. Because probably from New Zealand. <laughs> we can come in, take some of that, do our day's work in about three minutes. And then sort of sod off Or Or take some ephemeral From scanners And I can
0: make all your heads explode How
1: do you know so much About movie drugs?
4: Hmm,
1: hmm. Don't
0: mm. know Really? <laughs> Guilty silence <laughs> I've been doing a lot of movie drugs Yeah You're like the, From Rubber like, Cop 2 Oh yeah That's a good yes. one That is a good yes. one you're like the Walter White of, <laughs> of the movie drug world yeah. can you fix this up with some nuke totally yeah. okay. okay thanks for your questions uh, to have your own question read out in the podcast obviously make it good and send it into our twitter feed we're at empire magazine and the hashtag is empire podcast hash it's a alt three thing or you can email us at podcast at empireline.com, or you can facebook us it's competition time last week we offered people the chance to win one of five breaking bad season four box sets the ridiculously easy question was <laughs> yeah it was ridiculously easy which network airs breaking bad and in the states. The answer was of course AMC and the five budding Heisenbergs who got it right are, drum roll, Kenneth Stamp, former Lasseter's owner Paul Robinson, Nimer Rashed, <laughs> Ian Stobie, thanks James, and Luke Grey. Congratulations to all. Uh, this week's prize is five Blu-ray copies of Wes Anderson's delightful Moonrise Kingdom. To stand a chance of winning answer the following ridiculously easy question which is, what was Wes Anderson's first film as a director? There you go. Simple. Send us your answer along with your name and your postal address to podcast at empireland.com. It'll save us a lot of back and forth on the internet, believe me. Coming up, James and I talk to Brian Mills himself, Mr. Liam Neeson. Okay, how do we introduce our first guest this week? Uh, Well, we don't know who he is. We don't know what he wants. If he's looking for ransom, I can tell him we work for Empire and do not have any money. But what we do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills we've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make us a nightmare for people like him. If he lets us go to the Dorchester Hotel to interview him about Taken 2, that'll be the end of it. We will not look for him. We will not pursue him. But if he doesn't, we will look for him. We will find him. And we will kill him. Thankfully, we did find him. It's Liam Neeson. Uh, So, Liam, you have played in your career uh, characters as iconic as Oscar Schindler, Qui-Gon Chin, Raz al Ghul. Now, when you took Taken initially, you thought that this was going to go straight to the DVD. So did did it surprise you that Brian Mills became as iconic
6: as those characters? Um, It it was a bit... The success of the film was a big surprise, yeah. Not because I didn't think it was a good film. I thought it was a really cool, pacey, European action movie. But... um, um, and then Fox Studios took it and, and did an amazing PR job in America, and it became a big success. But no, I, I was totally surprised. Luc Besson was totally surprised. We all were, you know. What was it about Brian that made him iconic? I mean, did, did you have much uh, input in the in the design of Brian and the coat, for example? And his just general manner—he's a he's a cyclone, he's a tornado. Yeah, but he's also a kind of a mild. I mean, he starts the film off; he's a fairly mild-mannered, sensitive soul. He's a little bit overprotective of his daughter. And then suddenly you see this this Jekyll and Hyde. There's this other trained assassin side that was incredible fun to play, I must admit. And and since making this, how regularly do people could have come up to you and say, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. No, I tend to get more release the Kraken, actually, than I do that.
4: You spend a lot of this film, apart from obviously killing a lot of people, being a sort of an impromptu driving instructor. Now,
6: <laughs> yeah. I hear on the grapevine your driving instructor was Helen Mirren. That's right. Was yeah. This when you were doing Excalibur. This was, uh, d- yes, during yes, during Excalibur, it was actually.
4: D- you just said I don't have a license, and she took pity on you, or
6: she, she gave me a couple of lessons <laughs> driving around the streets of Dublin, and then driving around the streets of London, and I was in my, I was about twenty-eight years of age, I think, and then I. Took my test when I was 30, I think it was. Wow. So I came to it all very, very late. (laughs) Pretend she did a reasonable job. (laughs) She was a very good instructor.
0: (laughs) And um, this movie, you know, taken to, were you reluctant to come back for this one in in, in a way? Did you think Brian's
6: story had. I
0: was. I just,
6: I just, I thought the first one was compact and unique and had a good ending and. I remained unconvinced for some time before the boys came up with this scenario and set in Istanbul and Turkey, and um, and I read it and reread it and thought about it and thought, you know, just as long as Famke Janssen comes back and mm-hmm. Maggie Grace comes back, then we should do it. You know? mm. Were you all totally worried? I mean. Uh I'm gonna phrase this carefully
0: because you can clearly kick my ass and james's ass uh, but you are at um, you're sixty years old now were you yeah. worried about doing an action movie like this and running and fighting and how would how would that would be on the knees
6: and I wasn't too worried but i mean i I keep pretty fit as a rule and and of course for these movies you have to increase the push-ups and the sit- ups let's put it that way and uh but um no i we we had a fantastic uh, stunt team and uh, Alan, who plays my uh, nemesis in this film, Mm. Suko, this character, Suko, is an ex Special Forces soldier and a terrific actor too. So he choreographed the fights and and, uh, so every day we were in the gym, after we rapped, rehearsing these fights Mm. and re-rehearsing and then re-rehearsing, you know, until they became like second nature. I mean, once Taken had been such a huge success,
4: you must have been inundated with scripts. You know, like taken on a boat, taken on a train. I mean, was that something that, that <laughs> taken for a ride? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you? I mean, did you get a lot of that stuff? Suddenly, I'm an action star, and I'm getting all the old, you know, action scripts coming. Up.
6: There were, there were a few came in. Yeah. You know, Hollywood loves to pigeonhole you. So, uh, with the success of Taken, they they pigeonholed me. You know, mm. so th- there were there were a few action scripts come in. You know. Did you once read for the role of Fezzik in Princess Bride? Is this true? Uh, Yes, I I met the director. He was meathead in that (laughs) series. He's still a meathead to me. I guess I found him quite rude. Um, The the lovely casting director brought me in to meet him. Rob Reiner.
4: Yeah, Rob Reiner, yeah.
6: And uh, this was in London years ago. And I walked into the room, and I'm six foot four. I'm not small, you know. And he looked at me and he looked at the casting lady and he said, I wanted a giant. (laughs) He's not a giant. Get me a giant. So they got Andre the Giant. They got Andre the Giant. (laughs) Bit on the nose, but you know. uh, uh, It was one of those unfortunate little interviews where you didn't even get a hello or thanks for coming, you know. That's a that's a shame, but you know, you did it right. was a beautiful film, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's and, good. And yeah. they, got, they cast it right. It, you know, they, they, they got they, the yeah. right guy. You know? Yeah, everything turned out right
0: for everyone in the end, yeah. I think. So, um, but uh, also looking at your CV, you are uncredited in the Delta Force. That's amazing. On the IMDb, you are not in the Delta Force, are you? The, the, Delta Lee, Force. the Lee Marvin film. I don't know, it, guys. I am sorry. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a, a mistake on your CV. But I was going. That's going to lead me into a talk of Lee Marvin because that's a Lee Marvin film. And the last time we spoke on the phone. You were talking about how Marvin was a hero of yours. Yeah, is he yeah. is he
6: a model for 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 Mills and for, for movies like this? I, he's not really. But I mean, I, I loved Lee Marvin. I, I really, uh, uh, especially John Borman's Point Blank. You know, that film redefined these sorts of movies. You know, detective thrillers and stuff. Um, no, I have a pal who is a special operatives operative's soldier, who um, is just this normal. Guy who disappears for four or five days and comes back <laughs> with gunshot wounds and <laughs> Iraq and Afghanistan and Pakistan and stuff right. and and then blends right into society again he's a kind of a he was a kind of a mentor for this you know
0: and um one of the things that the they the taken to doesn 't pick up is Kim's singing career and the karaoke machine from the first movie right. uh, were, you, were you disappointed about that I wanted to see what what became of her singing career
6: yeah I know somebody um somebody mentioned that in one of the other interviews. <laughs> In uh, Germany yesterday, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, of course. What about your singing career? I forgot all about that." Yeah. <laughs> taken five, <laughs> Kim's first concert.
0: Would you consider taking? You got to get taken three and four of the way first. But I is there see, a taken three in your history? I,
6: no, I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I can't see a possible scenario. Where audiences wouldn't go. Oh, come on! <laughs>
4: She's taken again.
6: She's taken again. Unless we do one where I give her away. She's <laughs> such a pain on the butt. Or something. <laughs> Kim's
0: wedding, perhaps. And, uh, and Liam, you're a you're a Liverpool fan or a, a follower, I guess, of, of Liverpool yeah. Football uh, Club. And uh, the new manager, Brendan Rogers, sure, is from your neck of
6: the woods. You went to the same he, school. He went to the same school. He's yeah. from Carnloch, which is about sixteen miles away from where I was. Born. Absolutely.
0: Have you had much uh, much contact? Does that mean you're going to get free tickets now?
6: For No, I don't forever? know, Brandon. We've never met. Um, I wish him every success. I mean, we've got, what, one point over three games? <laughs> yeah. It's not good. Yeah, a, it's know, not. It's a slow start. It's a slow start, and it's early in the season. And uh, what is next for you? Work-wise? Correct. Yeah, career-wise. I'm yeah. doing a film with Paul Haggis, mm-hmm. writer-director, in uh, Rome, which ain't too shabby. Uh, next month with Olivia Wilde and um, uh, who's that wonderful actor 127 Hours oh Mila Kunis Mila Kunis is in it and James Franco James Franco as well yeah yeah Oh, fantastic. So that's going to be a bit of a change of pace as well. But- change of pace, and, and I have a couple of bed scenes with, with Miss Wilde, so I'll be back in the gym. So sit-ups and push-ups. And- oh, yeah.
4: <laughs> and you've got non-stop coming up as well, haven't you?
6: Non-stop. Which is is taken the, on a plane? It's all on an airplane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: The air marshal is that you play that. An
6: air marshal, yeah, where some shady character announces someone's going to die every 30 minutes. So <laughs> I have to find him before... Alerting all the passengers, you know. Yeah, yeah.
3: absolutely.
6: That's actually good. It's a good script. And you were you were back very very briefly this year in
0: the uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, so, I, so they tell me I haven't seen you it. You Haven't yet. seen it yet. No. Oh well, wow. it's 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 really good. You should go good. check it out. Uh, the the uh, Have you just not had a time, or do you not do you not like to look at yourself had, on the big I, screen?
6: I haven't had the time, and uh, uh, you know that's basically I just haven't had the time. But I've 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 heard this wonderful film, and mm. uh, I. I shot on the set in England for. In fact, it was the same day I did the rigged Gervais, and it was uh, I was on set for two hours. I think that right. was it. I,
0: so the same day you did the uh, end, the, the, the that sketch for yeah, yeah, for uh, Life Too Short. Yeah, With the, that's an amazing piece that's of right. comedy. Yeah. Whose idea was that? Was it your idea? Or did you want to do more comedy? Did you want to do something?
6: No, like- I was doing the Graham Norton show, and, and Stephen Merchant was was uh, one of the guests, and uh, I loved their show extras, and of yeah. course, The Office is, is a classic. Mm. So afterwards, we were having a drink, and I was telling, them, I, I think you guys are fantastic, and Stephen Merchant went, really, really, <laughs> would you like to do a sketch? I said sure. So they sent me this sketch, and it was it was terribly funny, you know. Do you find you get
0: offered, not? I guess maybe you don't get offered a lot of comedies, given that you're known for
6: intaking, busting heads and cracking skulls. Is that something that you want to get more of? I I wouldn't turn my nose up at it if it was something I th- thought was a good script and I thought I could be effective in it, you know? Fantastic. Well, Liam, it's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you. My thank, thank you. Right thank you, much thank you.
0: Okay, movie news time now. James, what have you got for us in that big, beautiful, bald head of yours? I, I, I'm being a little bit... I'm cheating a little bit. Uh, is I this from like 1973 or something? Yes. <laughs> <is it? laughs> Police Academy's just been greenlit. That's exactly what I'm doing.
4: No, I, I was actually going to pick out one of, the, uh, one of the Schwarzenegger stories that we ran uh, this week. Of course, because it's New Empire time. Yes, it's New Empire time, and it's the Schwarzenegger <laughs> issue. Hey! Yes, uh, which is extraordinarily exciting. In fact, my favourite issue of Empire to date. So, yeah. Is that because you wrote most of it? Yes, yes, that's basically <laughs> the reason. Also, because it's Arnold. It is. Now, and- this is
0: the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger issue. Uh, he's coming back in The Last Stand in the Tomb. The yeah. film. He's, he's been back, of sorts, in The Expendables 2. Yeah, no, we don't talk about uh, that. But we don't really want to talk about that. <laughs> but he's back properly above the title. Schwarzenegger, Last Stand, Schwarzenegger, The Tomb next year. And so... We decided to dedicate most of the issue, not all the issue, but most of the issue to, frankly, one of the biggest movie stars of all time. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, On his big comeback after almost a decade away, uh, where he's been doing something, he's been yeah something involving politics. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's been (laughs) yeah Lex Luthor style, trying to tip California at the ocean. I'm not sure what exactly what he was doing. (laughs) He succeeded Uh, pretty much, (laughs) indeed. So you spoke to Arnold on both sides of the Atlantic. Yes. So much time with him that people began to get suspicious. Yes, they think we're dating. <laughs> Are you? Mm-mm, kind of. All right, tell it's us casual. Tell us about it. It's give us a, give us a short version of your <laughs> a, six thousand word picture. A very
4: condensed version of it. No, it was really cool. I met him uh, for the first time over here the day after the Olympics, uh, which was quite cool. And we hung out for a lot of the day, and then uh, I was his date for the premiere. Which was kinda nice uh, No it was quite cool Because I, I did get to go down To the Expendables 2 premiere With him um, No it was great uh, Went down Walked down the red carpet With him Which was a very 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 surreal experience Especially because he had This sort of security guard And he was keeping people Away from both of us So uh, that made me Feel a bit special You did have a sword A shield Yes I, I had a variety of weaponry on. He might have been Trying to keep you away from him, <laughs> He else? could well have been Trying to prize me off Arnold I mean it was kind of hard to say You were wasted on nuke At the time presumably. Yes <laughs> And a variety of other substances <laughs> Yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was quite cool, Actually,
0: it's amazing because um, yeah, yeah, let's put it in context. We are, we are very very lucky people. We realize that uh, without you know, a doubt, we are living a lot of people's dreams, and we, we get that. and We meet a lot of childhood heroes, but I just want to put in context how big this is for you. Because,
4: Highlight of my professional career, without a doubt. Yeah. I've been at Empire for twelve years. It is without a doubt the best thing I've ever done, uh, and that includes going to the the.
0: Skywalker Ranch and going around the Star Wars archives so. yeah, because Nick and I are huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fans and I grew up idolising Arnold Schwarzenegger mm. but you took it to another level this, this man is your hero yeah, yeah without a doubt I was obsessed
4: with him during the, not in a you know sexy way uh, but during the 80s just completely obsessed with him I um, I think the first Schwarzenegger film I saw was weirdly Conan the Destroyer and I didn't even know there was a Conan the Barbarian it was just a random I just thought that was Conan so I was quite excited when I saw the good one um, and you know and I had commando posts from in fact we had a commando poster in my classroom at school <laughs> uh, which was particularly cool yeah no loved absolutely loved everything he did um, and then and then it was but at that point you know when he started, started from late 80s early 90s he started alternating action with comedy but yeah no loved him I loved no I agree I agree you know, I think if you're looking at what
0: classic Arnold films you're thinking about the, both Terminators Predator, True Lies Yeah, Predator is my favourite of his films Terminator 2 I think is the best of his films it's a fantastic uh, feature and I, I do recommend you pick up the new issue of Vampire and check it out there's loads of other stuff on in there including the magnificent Room 237 feature first look at Welcome to the Punch got the first look at Cuban Fury got some Jack Ryan stuff in there as well uh, it's, it's a very very good issue highly recommended Nick you contributed as well to the Arnithon by uh I did I watched Commando again
3: yeah. Um, pretty much spoke to most people involved in Commando, except Arnie. You obviously spoke to him about Commando, but I spoke to Vernon Wells, which arguably is better. Yes. He uh, <laughs> plays the chainmail clad villainous Australian Bennett. Um, Talked to Stephen E. D'Souza, who wrote it. Talked to uh, Mark Lester, who directed it. And uh Dawn Chong, who's the love interest, um, although the sex scene was cut. The studio, I thought it was too weird.
0: For my part, in terms of uh, Arnold, I interviewed uh, 12 people who've been killed on the screen by Arnold. It's one of, the favorite thing, one of my favourite things I've done for the magazine for a long, long time. I uh, interviewed people like Robert Davy, who was fantastic, the guy who played Buzzsaw and Running Man, uh, Gus Rethwitch, the guy who Arnold says I'll be back to for the first time in The Terminator, a guy called Bruce Kerner, who was an executive in charge of production. He was basically a suit who was a, who volunteered to play that cop. Who awesome. Arnold drives a car into so I uh, talked talk to best? loads of loads of people you talked to James Earl Jones yes you I did. did I talked to James Earl Jones yeah I spoke to Darth Vader and didn't ask him a single Star Wars related question it was,
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was a very very strange experience for me yeah. um, I like that bit where um, Arnie's talking about the line was going to be he wanted the line to be I will be I back because he thought yeah. it sounded more kind of clinical well, he thought it sounded more like a robot yeah he James said Cameron be was I will just be like back. I wrote it and you're going to say it so sod sort off yeah they had, had a big so many words yeah they had they a big I think he was right wasn't he I reckon Arnie. So. It should have been. I will be back. No, but the thing no. is, it works Yuck
4: well because it's it's setting up the gag. It's like I'll be back. The funny thing is, I'll be back because he comes back with a truck in the guy's face. That's the gag, yeah. isn't it? Less is more.
3: Yeah, I um, liked God. the uh, the detail in your feature that Arnie has a life size Mister Freeze statue in his office. He does. That was a surprise. <laughs> I like to imagine that he reenacts scenes from Batman and Robin whenever <laughs> he stands, it else is left for the day. <laughs> he stands next to it, going, "You're not
4: putting me in the cooler." Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, no, his office is is a sea of merchandise. There's um there's a chrome sort of Predator faceplate on the receptionist desk. There's um the axe from um, Collateral Damage You know because the a fireman and that is on oh, there yeah, as well yeah. as the fireman's hat. There's yeah. a, a model of Satan from End of Days also in Reception. The receptionist has a bit of a Does hard Does he keep
0: time. memorabilia from almost exclusively the, the bad
4: ones? <laughs> no, no. it no, no, no. Well, has got posters of all of them up but there's, there's a life-size sort of standy sort of things. There's Mr. Freeze. There's a, the life-size Predator. There's uh, two Terminators, one which is an endoskeleton and one that's him you know, in, from Terminus 2. Uh, and there's one of him as the governor just doing a big cheesy sort of thumbs up and grin thing, which was a present to him by the late Sam Winston, which is quite cool.
0: It is amazing. And yeah, it's difficult to overstate this man's impact on pop culture and movies of the last 30 years. So I think it's a fascinating feature. I'm completely biased. But yeah, I would, uh, if I didn't read Empire or I'd, I'd pick it up just to read your feature. Available in news sessions from tomorrow. <laughs> and of course on the yeah. iPad. Uh, Nick, have you got anything for us?
3: Sure. Uh, I saw, as I'm sure everyone else has the it's photo, I'm not sure if it's a still from Darren Aronofsky's Noah. Oh yeah. Which um, could easily be titled Snakes on an Ark if that picture's anything to go by because <laughs> it's... Uh, I had kind of always thought that Noah had just put two snakes on the ark, but this is a, a teeming, massive snake. So he's obviously done his proper homework and got two of every species of snake.
0: And there are a lot of species of snake. I suppose the question:
3: is he got every single type of ant as well. I mean, it's
0: well. This is this is where I, you know, this could this could bog this podcast down. <laughs> we could bog the film <laughs> this, down if the yeah, film is just existing. How so is this boat ever going to float? Mm. It's going to have every animal in the world, apart from, of course, the unicorn. Poor unicorn. Uh, on it how's it gonna honestly what's, what sort of buoyancy is it gonna have it's gonna it's just gonna sink it's on the back of a whale two whales <laughs> two whales on top of four giant turtles mm. um, I don't know if we got into the, uh, the, the realism of the Noah story I think James who studied theology at university for three years just so he could have an argument <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> arguments with people Pretty who much. believe in God and win <laughs> amazing story um
4: I think we'd be here all week. But it's interesting that it's Darren interesting. is
3: obviously getting into the realism of it.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. You can tell from that picture straight away that yeah. this is not just going to be... A- but the question is, has he done his homework? Because obviously the, you'd think the aquatic animals, you could just chuck over the side and they swim along after the ark. But what about freshwater things? Presumably you need a huge tank of freshwater inside the ark to house, you know, frogs and wrong. newts and stuff. He's not wrong. What about Much like the boy's
0: home. Yeah, what about different conditions like uh, animals who live in the cold? For example. For example, so a, a refrigerated deck
1: presumably is 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 needed. So gives a new definition to the word poop deck, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> what about when Noah comes down to do like mucking out duties, and there's like an anaconda with a suspiciously oxen-shaped bulge in its back? <laughs> 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 Bugger, we've got to go back. We've got to go get another, another oxen. Do we need more ox? <laughs> Maybe Maybe, maybe the time They it. have their own Individual
4: compartments Like Cabin in the Woods Like they have their own Little cubes And they all live in there Well in, in the there. picture It looks like he just Bunged them all in there
0: Yeah Which is really. dangerous You're on a boat with... You're on a mission from God You do it properly Yeah that there's a lot sense. of stuff In that boat that could kill you I mean I wouldn't Samuel L. Jackson
3: could board it midway through the, uh, the trip start shooting I'm, snakes I'm tired of these mother effing snakes <laughs> and this mother, this mother effing arc
0: like. <laughs> amazing um, I'm really looking forward to that film it's a film that he's been wanting to make for years it seems and he left the Wolverine oh, we'll to make, make this movie 4,000 so. 4,000 years
1: thanks James <laughs> and uh, Phil what have you got for us? Um, There's a connection, um, which I've entirely forgotten. Drew Goddard, Cabin in the Woods, Mm. is the writer of Robo-Apocalypse, which brings me to casting news. Steven Spielberg obviously got Lincoln yet to come and big Oscar around it. But he is also in the process of casting Robo-Apocalypse's next film, Sci-Fi, which is, I guess, best described as sort of a combination between Terminator and Robot Wars. I call it Mad Mex. That's good. You've been yes. You're already punning. It's still two years away. I got like <laughs> like my puns. I yeah. Your puns have been in pre pre production for like so, six months. In Mad oh. Mad Max
0: as mech M E C H S. Yes, mix. because it's apocalyptic. and that's good. That's good.
1: It does work better now.
4: See,
0: if it was about computers, it could kill you. It could be Mad Max. See, M A C S. Yeah, Mad. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's pretty good. That's good. That's good. kind of that's actually better.
4: All the
3: computers in the world are evil. So
0: oh really?
4: Yeah. So it's a bit actually Chris's pun is better than
0: yours. We oh so no, right? that's not getting that's not getting into an argument here. But it's, so it's a bit like Stephen King's Trucks.
1: Anyone ever read that
0: story? It was the
1: basis for his Jewel, right? his
0: film Maximum Overdrive, where all oh, the okay. all the uh, the machinery in the world rebels against. Yeah. So I was
1: going to say that. there is there is a, a hot, uh, uh, an echo back to Jewel. I think it's the same sort of you know personless apocalypse. That was on a much smaller scale. This is global, and he's cast um, Chris Hemsworth, the Captain in the Woods veteran, um, as I guess one of the soldier guys who's. In charge of humanity's fight back. This film is going to have an amazing tagline. It really is. I don't know quite. It's just. <laughs> I don't
0: know what it is. Mad, Mad it Max. Max. Yeah.
1: Mad Max. Yeah. yeah. Right. Beyond the. Beyond the thunder. Help me help how- <laughs> so, <if>, so, <laughs> so he's fighting the evil computers, right? So, so the, is, yes. is,
0: is this one of the the few movies that is an original film and a reboot at the same time? Come on, come on. <laughs> Reboots. Computers. Anyone? Anyone? Is is if you're definitely. at home and you can tape your laughter, please send it in. <laughs>
3: There is definitely a dual link, because in the book, uh, all the vehicles are kind of controlled by artificial intelligence and or essential robotic intelligence, and they're just driving around cities trying to smush people. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty. The book is pretty intense in that sense. You know, he's thought through the way these different, you know, robot foot soldiers and spidery things can can destroy the stumpers, for instance, mm-hmm. that attach themselves to the leg and are basically kind of walking IEDs. They sort of blow people up. Oh, wow. It's pretty fun. So I'm, I'm interested in how maybe a little bit of War of the Worlds, Spielberg, how, how, how he kind of portrays that on screen. Chris Hemsworth, definitely. Ben Whishaw is in talks. He's got the IT skills, obviously, as you we know from his Q... Experience that's tenuous, and, <laughs> and oh. Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. and Hathaway is also, I believe, the term is circling or squaring this project. So uh, look out for more. Um, it could be some sort of automated casting apparatus. I would love business. it if people actually cast people in movies based on the job of the person they <laughs> <in their last laughs>
0: film. That would be absolutely amazing. Uh, Chris O'Dowd and Richard Ioannidis have signed on to star in Robo Apocalypse. <laughs> if you in try and I, turn them submarine. on off again. Um, that kind of reminds me let's talk about apocalypse we had a question that we didn't quite have time to get to uh, from Ruby Do earlier on at Rue underscore B underscore Do uh, he said zombie apocalypse what do you do um, now if there were a robot apocalypse or a zombie apocalypse safe to say I think I would die really really quickly What do you, does anyone else think You would actually
3: survive I've actually given this question a lot of thought over the last few months because I've been reading all the Walking Dead comic books and watching series 2 and uh, what I would do definitely If I was in America Would be head to the coast And try and get to Hawaii Because And then try and, This is in
4: case Of a zombie apocalypse I would get to an island And clear it could I, could I just point out Do you have any conception Of how far Hawaii is From the west coast of America Get a boat or a plane And in an apocalypse When there would be No satellite navigation how, how is your celestial navigation? I'd use the compass On my iPhone <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I would get to an island. It might not be Hawaii, but I'd settle for
3: the Isle Alcatraz, of Hawaii, you or You know, you know something.
4: But
0: James, I think you'd you'd live. You'd you'd outlast
4: the zombies. Well, weirdly and perhaps not because, you know, you know me, but I have genuinely given this a lot of thought. Uh, and I think the first thing you'd need to do is you need to find a motorbike shop because you're going to want transport, but the highways are going to be clogged with, like, you know, dead people. So a motorbike is your best bet. And you're going to want to find somewhere where you can get weapons. So you need to be able to break into, like, a TA base or a police station and get armed, get armed up, you know, that sort of stuff. So this explains um, why you were in the police station the other day. Yes, he's scoping it out. Could um, you, know, <laughs> you'd you say, what's... I'll be back to the desk office? Yes, that's right. I have yet to return. But uh, he, he's, <laughs> he's still just... waiting for for me. What's happening? I, just, I don't understand. So, um, and I have about, ba- I have like an emergency bag at home full of, you know, anti-zombie you supplies. You do have an emergency mm, bag, which is
0: terrifying about you. Many, many things are terrifying <laughs> about you, but that is that is one of them. Yeah. Can I just say, is this? A, are you in the UK at the time for this zombie apocalypse? I would imagine so. It'd be really bad timing if it happened when you're on a press trip, wouldn't it? I don't know. You'd be in the states, but people are gunned up. If you were on the
4: set of The Walking Dead and a zombie apocalypse happened, that would be fairly awesome, that would be wouldn't a it? Good one. Yeah. <laughs> How
0: yeah. would you know? How would you tell? That's <laughs> a fair point. <laughs> until someone takes a bite out of Andrew Lincoln's neck and he goes, "And you go, Rick's not meant to die now." Oh my god! Or is he? <laughs> or is he? <laughs> spoiler. I don't know. That's not a spoiler. Not really. It's not a spoiler. You can't spoil real life. Or something. <laughs> You're doing your best. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's sending into it madness. I would become. die very, very quickly. Um, where I live, um, I live quite high up, which is good. It's an advantage, I think, in my in my block of flats. Yes. but you need to get a lot of tin goods. You need to have room set aside for for you know for toilet duties and With a uh, toilet, presumably. Well, yes, but obviously all drainage and sewage would eventually stop working. So you'd have to just throw it out the window and the zombies. But you would Because you couldn't live in a, an apartment That's clogged with toilet smells <laughs> <laughs> Just just because this is radio not television I'd
4: like to say that Phil has become so bored by this He is balancing his pen on his upper lip And pretending it's a
1: moustache It's only because I've already worked out my strategy and Which is? Does what, it involve that biro? I'm telling you uh. What in case we copy it and live? <laughs> no I haven't
0: really worked out <laughs> What would Koslowski do? Okay Thanks a lot, Ruby-Doo. Um, <laughs> I think we'd all die horribly. Uh, time for another guest now. Elizabeth Olsen is the Olsen sister who didn't appear in a lousy kid sitcom or who didn't become a teenage phenomenon, but she's a late bloomer whose impressive work as an actress in the likes of Red Lights, Martha, Marcy May Marlene, and Silent House has marked her out as a real talent as here to stay. She came in recently to talk to Ali Plum and Helen about her new movie, Josh Radnor's Liberal Arts.
2: Okay, well, welcome to the Empire Podcast, and we have a very special guest today, Elizabeth Olsen. Hello. Hello. Um, So, uh, you're here to talk about your new film, Liberal Arts, which I saw last week, and Ali saw as well. Um, And so, I mean, how did you get involved? Because obviously, it's made with Josh Radner, who we probably know best here for um, How I Met Your Mother. Mm -hmm. But here, he's writer, director, editor, I
5: believe, and star. Amazing. He might have even been a producer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He and I have the same agent, Mm -hmm. and she's snuck me pages of the script before it was finished without him knowing <laughs> and then um eventually we ended up meeting and reading through the script together and I waited around until he told me that I got the job and then yeah and we filmed it in Ohio at Kenyon College where he went to school mm-hmm. as well as Allison Janney who's also in the movie she went to school oh, there really? yeah so there's a lot of Kenyan love. Kenyan yeah. In the middle of nowhere, Ohio. And um it was it was really beautiful and great and um because he wore so many hats, he was so clear on what he needed from mm-hmm. everyone. Um which was great. Yes, yeah, so it was he also like making the tea, you know, <laughs> during breaks and things yeah, like that? No. I, <laughs> he, he, I think he actually um Usually with independent films, you don't have assistance. You'll have, like, maybe a PA helping you out. But he properly needed someone to just, like, make sure that he had... He's also a healthy person, so he doesn't want to drink an energy drink if he's fading. So he had all of his particular things, (laughs) which, I mean, I wish, like, I could have every day of the week. But, but yeah, everyone kept him healthy, and I'm sure he went crazy, but um, no one else saw it. Mm. I'd go mad.
7: So was there room for you to do your own improv or add your own, you know, certain something? Or was it all my way or the highway?
5: <laughs> I wouldn't say my way or the highway, but there was no, there wasn't really any improv. We also, I think mainly just because we didn't have the time to do mm-hmm. that. We we were on such a quick schedule and we had so many pages to finish in a day that we, we just had to get exactly what he needed mm. and move on. Yeah.
2: And he's got to have had a pretty clear idea of what he's going for, given that he's,
5: you know, Absolutely. And I think also because because his first film, Happy Thank You More, Please, he learned that he could very specifically get all the options he wanted in the editing room after having gone through another film of editing. And Mm. and so we really we really just like approach things as as option based. But he's he's great.
2: And what about Zippy herself? Because, you know, I read an interview where you were talking about it, what a relief it was to play a character who wasn't tormented
5: yeah. after several psychological <laughs> yeah. thrillers in a row. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really... I don't think it's healthy to only work on dramatic mm. pieces. I find that to be really exhausting for, like, your, like, soul and your mind. <laughs> so I really just wanted to do something... I wouldn't say mindless, but the character Zibby really says what she means. Mm. And she's a very honest, grounded girl. And it was really nice to just play what was on the page if that makes sense
2: no I mean you said mindless but this is very much not a mindless film no a exactly of... that's why I was sorry to say <laughs> that word but there's a lot of, I mean there's a lot of talking and what, what I thought was, was really interesting at one point was there was a, a lot of chat about two books which were unnamed yes but which looked suspiciously to me like Infinite Jest and right. Twilight now the message seemed yep. to be <laughs> that if you read Infinite Jest you'll have no friends and if you read mm. Twilight you won't be able to get a date right because men will judge you not I've read both so how much trouble am I in
5: Oh, my gosh, I think you have to ask Josh that question. I have read neither. Okay. So how much trouble am I in? <laughs> probably less. I think you're probably safe.
7: <laughs> I was wondering, was there a reading list when you got the job? Did they say, yeah, you got the job, that's fine, but you need all of this and an essay by next right. week?
5: Not for me, but for John Magaro, there, there might. he had to read Infinite Dressed. He didn't have to. I mean, you don't actually have to do anything that your character... Does in a movie, which is so funny. Like you don't actually have to, like if you're. I mean, I guess if your character plays an instrument, sure, yeah, you should probably figure that one out. But you can talk about a book and have no idea what you're talking about.
7: <laughs> my English tutors agree that's probably how I survived most of my
5: right university Great. years. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like if if Josh made me read a vampire novel or any kind of young adult novel just so I could have that type of fight with him, like I can fight the. The actual reasoning behind it, sure, yeah. but I, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> I'm just because I, I barely have time to read books, and when I do, you can't be that. I only read things that are like off like a checklist of things to read before I die, type of thing. <laughs> so, the, the two obviously born through classical
2: music, they kind of share it back and forth, mm-hmm. or at least Libby actually or Zippy actually does most of the sharing
5: um, yeah. to him so um, did, you, did you listen to all of that? Did you have to get into all that? Of that I did, mm-hmm. I did not read I didn't have a book list but I did have um, a music list okay. Josh really is inspired by music so he, and not only just classical he even wanted to share bands that he thought Zippy might be listening to or things like that just really to share and start a conversation mm-hmm. which is a nice way to start things
7: and there are letters back and forth here. That, those, those, that isn't your handwriting, is it? Or were you, were you part sometimes of Sometimes it's my handwriting. It hmm.
5: Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's a props person pr- trying to mock up my handwriting, <laughs> which is always a weird thing to see some sort of version of your handwriting <laughs> that's not quite it. But yes, yeah, sometimes it was. Yeah, I actually wrote it. It's I the, can do that. Okay. I can handwrite. He didn't <laughs> ask you to practice that or anything. Uh-uh, nope. Well, we weren't sure, you know, young
2: people nowadays, I mean, you know, does anybody still handwrite? Right,
5: don't they stop teaching, I think they stopped teaching cursive. I think they have, yeah, yeah. in some schools anyway. It's, that's crazy. Mm. How are people supposed to, like, at a certain point when they want to be historians and not reading old letters and... Mm. I don't know, when the
2: disaster happens and the machines all die, I mean,
5: nobody's going to even be able to write a note. To
7: <laughs> we, were you as disappointed as I was, and this isn't very disappointed, that the name of this film wasn't so incredibly odd like
5: right. the previous one? I just thought the
7: liberal arts seems a little bit pedestrian almost. Could right. it be, I don't know, graduate love cross-country <laughs> something? Fun times.
5: Actually, I had a joke with my friend every time I said that I was going to film liberal arts, he... He stopped call- he kept thinking that I was going to summer school. And so he now calls the movie Summer School the movie. <laughs> <laughs> because he kept thinking that, because I'm still a college student, because I am taking forever to graduate. But um, every time I said liberal arts, he thought I was going back to school. Because <laughs> <laughs> you stayed in student accommodation while you're making the film, is that right? I, yeah, no, they were very nice. Mm-hmm. They were much nicer than the NYU dormitory oh, really? that I stayed in. But I also stayed in, like, probably the worst NYU dormitory. Um, But it was very lovely. It just felt like a cabin, really. Mm -hmm. Had a kitchen, two bedrooms, so my dad came and stayed in the other bedroom. You know, it was really nice wow.
7: so was Alison was walking around these cabins with you going oh well here this is where I met my old friend so and so
5: she actually did do a little bit of it because it's a small campus mm. and she remembered where she lived on campus and she, she actually did do really? that yeah not in a cheesy way either <laughs> and um, I mean who else did you get
2: you you'd had fairly few scenes with Richard Jenkins as well yeah though. I love just Richard
5: He and I think I would love to work again with him because he's just so much fun to mm. be around and Um, He is my favorite storyteller and makes you laugh. And I was very intimidated by him because of The Visitor. So I Mm. thought that he would be a little bit more of a serious person. And he is the most kind-hearted, funny man. I love him.
2: Okay, I want to ask a little bit about what you've got coming up as well. Yes. Um, So uh, Very Good Girls. Mm -hmm. What stage is that at
5: Do you? We finished shooting it. And so I I have no idea really when it's going to come out or if for which festivals it would go to um, for next year. But it's um, it was a sweet movie, and Dakota and I had a great time filming together, and it's a, it's a great story about two young women, their friendship being more like sisters than, than I think what's usually portrayed in, in movies about yeah. young women. It's quite rare, actually, to get a film
2: focusing on a, a female friendship. I think it's beginning yeah.
5: to happen a bit more. Yeah. But it's tended to be, you know, and even when it does, though, I feel like sometimes it's still like catty, Mm. even if it is a Mm. film. There's still like a cattiness, and sure, we we fight, but we fight because of like um, in the movie. We only there's only a fight once someone betrays the other's trust. Mm. Like it's not something that's like out of the ordinary. So I think it's I think it's a sweet film. Okay sounds good. And uh, Kill Your Darlings. Yes, I'm in I'm in a very sh- small, I'm in like three scenes of that film, right. but it's an Allen Ginsberg story that Daniel Radcliffe plays Allen Ginsberg. And the, the film is, from his point of view, going to college and meeting his friend Lucian Carr, who um, commits a hate crime murder. But at the time, it was called an honor slang because... Um, he was protecting himself from um, being hit on, hit on by a gay man, and so he didn't actually have to go to the death penalty because of it. Wow. Um, and so it's that story that we're telling, which I think is a fascinating thing because it actually influenced Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac so much. So for the rest of their lives and their writing and the people they were when, at this mm-hmm. time in their lives is so is a story that we aren't we aren't told really. Mm. So I find it to be a really interesting um, anecdote. And uh, and finally, obviously, Old Boy, which I know everybody is very excited about. Or yeah, <laughs> that starts in October. Is that right? Um, yeah, we start shooting in October. I'll start rehearsal in a week from today. And it's I th- I mean it's it's going to be a different story just because it's one takes place in a nondescript city in America, and two, it's ten years later, so technology is different. So mm. there are just really practicalities that have had to change, and um, it's not trying to redo the film, it's coming at it from a different point of view. As well as focusing that the primary source of the Korean film and and for our film is a Japanese manga, so mm. or manja, however you say yeah. it. Um so we're using the primary source of the of the illustrated novel right. really. So it's a readaptation rather than a remake, if you Yeah. Like. And I think that's similar to I like to compare it to Let Me In and Let the Right One In because those aren't the exact same Mm. films but they're just a different take on the same story same story yeah or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Willy Wonka yeah exactly
7: (laughs) I'm not sure the director in question would have gone yes that's who I'm okay well
2: you know it's not a a comparison you often make for a Spike but you know that's what I got
0: Okay let's wrap up this epic and friendly shambolic podcast with a look at the movies coming out this week uh, there are two absolute crackers as well uh, let's start with the big one Ryan Johnson's Looper his twisty turning sci-fi in which Joseph Gordon-Levitt's futuristic hitman finds himself facing off against his older time travelling self played by Bruce Willis now we gave this one five stars I think it's one of the films of the year mm. uh, what, do we, what do we think about this one? Oh without a doubt yeah it's phenomenal Great,
4: moving on. on. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it, and not just because Joseph Gordon-Levitt is just freakishly like Bruce Willis. It? Do you think? Yes, I really did that's interesting I actually yeah. think his makeup is, is maybe I one of the poorer I, I don't yeah. think it's the makeup I think it's it's just even the, the way he shapes his mouth when he talks and just his intonation and his mannerisms that's I think what carries it. I think it's the, the, makeup, more makes makes than the makeup look a bit like a thunderbird <laughs> <laughs> maybe I might I don't know I mean, there's it just, just a something like angularness they've, to his yeah, face Yeah, they've just plastered just... latex at random points on his face but the bit they have got right is the nose he's got the Bruce nose definitely Sure. Um, and he, yeah he nails the voice and the mannerisms he really does
0: yeah it's great and just to a in the plot a little bit further so it takes place in the future and it's a a bit of a it's not one you can really sum up in in one or two sentences sadly Mm. but uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Level plays Joe he's a hitman in the future and and in his further future they discover time travel which has been instantly outlawed but the Mafia use it to kill people and send them back to the past where the bodies are disposed of by the hitmen who stand in a field waiting for people to materialise and they kill them and then eventually they have to close the loop on themselves. So Bruce Willis is the the closed loop so to speak sent back in time where he uh, or, well I can't reveal too much more about that but then they go on the run and you think it's going to be one thing sort of, sort of hmm. when they just face off against each other it spirals off at least Wild, unexpected directions that I actually kind of love. There's a there's a strange departure into almost horror movie territory in the last third or so, which uh, which I found found very very interesting. And obviously, Ryan Johnson's a, a guy who's incredibly stylish. I mean, you know, loved Brick, really really liked Brothers Bloom. This is by far his best movie, I think, and it's one of the best. I guess realisations of,
1: of the future on on a budget frankly than mm. I've seen in, in a while I think it's fantastic that you know it's a really thinky sci-fi but it's an original idea everything he does is kind of has its, a, an obvious starting point in genre but then spirals off like you say into very unexpected directions I think it's important that people don't go in expecting a big you know like like Bruce's last uh, sci-fi surrogates or Rico remake? I do
0: not expect surrogates. No, no, no.
1: But in just in terms of like, it's not that kind of roller coaster. You have to really no. put some work in. It's this not face off. You expect
0: face off because you expect mm. Joseph Gordon Levitt versus Bruce Willis. You expect almost like in a Nick, you know, this one Gemini, the Gemini man. man, yeah, yeah. Mm. which
3: Arnie was earmarked to do at one point.
0: Indeed, and so was Harrison Ford, I believe, at one point as well. Which is basically it's this one great unmade script by Jonathan Hensley about uh, a, a hit, ultimate hitman who's cloned. And his younger self is sent down to track him and kill him. Uh, and this, this, you think, would go down that direction, but it
1: really doesn't. No, um, it, it it's also worth mentioning that the middle act is thoughtful rather than pulsing. I would say, bear that in mind because you know the pacing is very much its own deliberate thing. It doesn't feel like there's a studio executive saying, "We've got to make this snappy. We need an action scene here. We need the this sequence, that sequence." It's very, and it's almost like I don't know if you felt this, but there's a bit of western in there too, and there's uh, a lot of western. And when I spoke to Ryan, Ryan Johnson about the film, he was saying there was actually a shot that he he was going to have that iconic searchers shot where Ethan walks through the door and he's framed by the the doorway and out to the beyond. He was going to put Emily Blunt in that situation, mm. and he eventually cut it from the film because he felt it didn't quite work, but it has its roots in, in, like I said, lots of different genres, and it comes out with a really kind of... It's, so it's sci-fi you need to see a couple of times, I think, to absorb it. Mm. Do you agree with that?
3: I want to mention the score quickly, which is terrific. It's one of the year's best uh, soundtracks, I think. And, uh, yeah, I, I looked it up when I came out, and was surprised to find out it. it's actually Ryan Johnson's brother, Nathan Johnson, who did it. It's just terrific. Well, wow. We're talking to him for our next issue, so...
0: Fantastic. Not Nathan or Johnson from
3: The Jerk, but... <laughs> oh damn it <laughs> uh,
0: but it is it is absolutely fantastic it's uh, five stars absolutely yeah. Nick I think you and I were the first ones to see it at the magazine and we came out raving about it yep it was like a few months ago yep and then we sent ourselves back in time to watch it again <laughs> it is it is awesome uh, okay and that's keep the five star ball rolling with Holy Motors which is Leo's Carax's Bunker's tale I don't even think bonkers is the word, frankly, for this. Uh, It's a tale of a man with many faces, all of them grinning wildly. Uh, Nick, you wrote The Empire Review. You saw this at Cannes. Yeah. Have you recovered? I did.
3: It woke me up because Cannes is quite an exhausting uh, experience. You're seeing films early every morning and there's parties and stuff and you kind of just get exhausted. When I came out of this, I was wide awake. It's like having caffeine through your eyeballs. Or Um, nuke. or (laughs) like any (laughs) of the drugs. Um, It is weird. I mean, people overuse the word weird when it comes to films to give you an idea of how weird this film is here's a quote from the director Leos Carax um, about the leading role which he wrote uh, specifically for a French actor called Denis Lavant he said if Denis had said no I would have offered the part to Lon Chaney or to Charlie Chaplin <laughs> so that's the wavelength that this guy is operating on um, it literally makes no sense I mean you could you would go crazy yourself if you tried to figure out what this film's about but on a pure entertainment level it's terrific it's it's not slow or dull or pretentious it You know, I'm sure you could read a lot of theories into it, but just as a as a sort of cinematic experience, it's amazing. Mm. Uh, There are visuals in there that you've never seen before. Yes. Uh, The basic plot, if you could call it that, is um, this guy uh, leaves his family at home and heads off to work in a limo. But it turns out that his job is actually playing different parts, and he's in all these very bizarre scenarios. One of which involves having sex with some kind of gloopy alien while he's wearing a motion capture suit. Um, (laughs) I'm sold. In another one, he he dresses up. He keeps putting makeup on in between these engagements. And he um, dresses himself up like a weird, creepy hobo guy with an erection. Um, and then goes and is serenaded by Eva Mendes, who's singing a lullaby to him. James is making a face at this point. Yeah. And so um, he, he cuts sounds off. like
4: a
0: dream I had quite recently. He cuts off bits of her hair. She's wearing a, a burqa, Eva Mendes. And he cuts off bits of her hair and while he said, he's sporting... An, uh, I believe it's a prosthetic. Yep. Yeah. A prosthetic erection. Yes. Okay, so... It's not quite Ghost Rider. We're <laughs> even Mendes fans. <laughs> no, no. And uh, Kylie Minogue's in a As form. nor is it Street Fighter. Kylie <laughs> <No Yes. laughs> Car- Minogue
3: turns up near the end as an air stewardess who sings a song by the Divine Comedies Neil Hannon in an empty department store. <laughs> it's really hard to talk about this film. Without seeing it if someone was describing this to me, I'd probably go, That sounds absolutely rubbish. Yeah. I'm trying my best, but honestly go and watch it because it's
0: utterly insane. But in it, a really good way. Is it a bit like the yeah. aliens experience? That's at tro- the Trocadero. Did you lose, no, I didn't a shoe. lose a shoe watching this? Actually, and on that note, I think uh, yeah, five stars for Holy Motors. Uh, it's very much a limited release around the country this weekend. Yeah. So,
3: if you like David Lynch films, if you don't mind seeing something experimental it's actually really funny as well which is yeah. hard to convey just by
0: describing what happens but no, 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 it's got no, a believe really me. sense of humour <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I think uh, we're all there uh, this week we also have Resident Evil Retribution the fifth instalment in Paul W.S. Anderson's zombie saga which is without question the most consistent franchise in Hollywood history because all five parts have now received two stars uh, there's also the campaign the big budget political comedy starring Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis which we bestowed three stars upon and that's it for this week's Empire Podcast join us next week for more film-related fun and of course we'll be joined by this is is an interesting one legendary David Thompson Diane of Film Critics Uh, and look out for two podcast specials next week a Bond special to celebrate the franchise's 50th birthday and a Red Dwarf special to celebrate its big comeback on TV we'll be joined there by Craig Charles and Chris Barry until then it's goodbye from James goodbye off the swing Conan sword again Uh, Nick Um, au revoir are you swinging anything this week? Well, that's uh,
3: that's
2: personal information. <laughs> Phil? Good day. Excellent. And uh, it's goodbye for me. Goodbye.